scripture reading this morning comes uh, from Paul's letter to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Aphia, our sister and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, 
And now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, Charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe yourself, your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Ephaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Philemon is one of the shortest letters in the New Testament. Its 25 verses are written from Paul to a man named Philemon. It is often an overlooked letter. If, if it's so short, then it must not contain anything of real importance. Otherwise, Paul would have put more thought into the text. Am I right? I mean, there, there's no lofty theological explanations here. There's no recasting of Old Testament teaching in Christian format. Paul doesn't discuss the death and resurrection of Jesus. And yet, yet this is probably one of the most explosive of Paul's letters. It has the potential to upset the apple cart, so to speak, to turn long-standing social hierarchies and unspoken cultural rules completely upside down. In this one instance, Paul redefines how we as Christians should see each other as he fleshes out for us what Christian love looks like in the real world. Now Philemon was a wealthy Roman citizen in the city of Colossae. It's believed that he was converted to Christianity in Ephesus by Paul himself and offered the use of a room in his house for the church to use. This was a common practice in the early church since there, there was no church buildings at this time. People would offer the use of a room in their home where the church could meet. And like most wealthy Roman citizens, Philemon owned slaves. And apparently one of his slaves was Onesimus and had done him uh, something wrong to Philemon. 
Onesimus runs away. He runs into Paul while Paul is in prison in Ephesus and becoming a follower of Christ under Paul. Onesimus becomes a helper to Paul while he's in prison. Now, prison was a lot different then than it is today. It was not a system of rehabilitation in hopes of re-entering society as a productive citizen. Prison in the ancient world was just a place they put you until they could decide what to do with you, whether that was execution, exile, or some other punishment. So this is where we find Onesimus in service to Paul. And somehow the whole situation and circumstances surrounding Onesimus comes to light and Paul wrestles with the ethical implications of what to do, ultimately deciding to send Onesimus back to Philemon. So the issue between the two may be resolved. What Paul wants is for Philemon to accept Onesimus and to see him as a brother in Christ. This is absolutely unheard of, but it is the result of having new life in Christ. The gospel demands this action be taken in light of our new relationship in Christ. And as Paul says, I could order you to do the right thing, but instead I appeal to you on the basis of love. Basically, Paul is telling Philemon to prove that his faith is true and full and mature because Paul sees something in Onesimus far beyond the status of a runaway slave. There are individuals in this world who have the ability to see the good in people. And there are some who not only see the good in people, but they are able to draw the good out of them. Seeing their lives transformed in Christ, with the impetus being, someone believed in them. Someone loved them. Someone cared enough to invest in them. I, I consider myself very fortunate to have known a few of these individuals. But for the most part, our culture has trained us to see something else. Our culture values people for what they can produce and provide, and the only good that seems to be cared for is a person's economic value. I came across an article the other day in my reading uh, on immigration from a, an economist's perspective. And what stood out to me is, he said, you know, all politics aside, deporting all the undocumented workers would have a negative impact on the economy. Not that we're talking about real people, but only their production and their earning value. And that's true across the board, it seems. You know, consider a factory 
where production is king in a factory, and the people are expendable. A person's value is based on production and how they affect production. And this attitude permeates throughout all of our culture. Even consider churches. The more you can do for a church, the more prized you are by the people in the church. Take a, a church that uh, I heard of in which uh, one of their deacons won the lottery. He told the church to atone for his gambling sin that he would tithe his winnings, which was a ton of money. And the pastor refused and told the church that under no circumstance could they take such money. So the church did what most of us would do. Uh, they fired the pastor and they took the money. <laughs> the deacon had become more valuable and more important to the church. Not because of who he was, but because of what he could give. But Paul gives us another answer and another way to relate to, the, to people in general. He gives us the gospel way of seeing each other. Paul says what was once useless has become useful. Now this is missed in the English, but in the Greek it's a wordplay. It's a pun on uh, Onesimus' name, which actually means useful. Paul is saying that once he was useless, he was a useless runaway slave, and now he has become Onesimus. He has truly become useful. He has become your brother in Christ. And Paul is saying to Philemon the same thing he said to the Galatians. There is no more Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is a radical way of looking at other people. People are not useful for what they provide or for what they produce for us. People are useful for who they are. In their inmost being, they are Onesimus. They are useful for who they are. And if you noticed in our scripture reading, Paul uses a familial language. He's telling Philemon, this is no longer your slave, this is your brother. And this is what church should look like on a daily basis. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, making up the very family of God. And the church uh, should be an open-ended family, always eager to allow new family members into the fold. Not because they would be useful and what they could give us, but useful for who they are in Christ. As the letter closes, we see Paul's faith on full display. Whatever Onesimus has, has done wrong to you, whatever he's done, put that on my tab. I'll let me pay that bill. He's imitating Christ. But that's exactly what Christ has done for us. And this isn't just words, because Paul says to prepare the guest room. 
for he hopes to be there soon. And then he says, refresh my heart in Christ. Let me know what you've decided to do with him. The translators here have really weakened this in the Greek uh, because the Greek is actually saying, bring ease to my guts. Soothe my anguish. And then the letter ends. And I think uh, a lot of us, you know, it, it ends without any resolution to allow us to apply Onesimus' story to our own life to begin to see others not as useless but as brothers and sisters in Christ but we along with Paul are saying bring ease to my guts what happened to Onesimus was he executed was he punished accepted as a brother we don't know. Or do we? Well, if you put stock in legends, Ignatius. Ignatius of Antioch was a major Christian player, major Christian leader in the generation after the apostles. And he had been a personal student of the apostle John. He was arrested and sent to Rome for execution. And while on the way to Rome, he wrote seven letters of encouragement to the faithful. One of these letters was to the Ephesians, which mentions Bishop Onesimus. Now, I know what you're thinking, the same thing that I was thinking. Surely there's more than one person named Onesimus. But a really big clue here is Ignatius uses the same pun that Paul did. What was once useless has now become useful, has now become Onesimus. Is it possible that a runaway slave became the bishop of one of the most popular churches in the ancient world? What was once useless had become useful because someone saw the good, and invested themselves in a relationship and brought about transformation in Christ. Oh, that we could all be Onesimus. And this morning as we do celebrate Holy Communion, the table of grace is prepared for us because Christ saw something in us and He invested Himself so that our lives might be transformed and found in the Lord. Therefore, through Christ, God has reconciled us to himself. And through Christ, we can now be reconciled to each other. And this, my friends, is the very heart of the gospel. Because Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And if this is true, then we should see each other through the eyes of Christ. And with Paul and the very Spirit of Christ, we shout in benediction, In Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one. 
in Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Eternal God, we give thanks to you for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. We grant that we may go into the world now in strength of your Spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.